0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Uh, Joining you this week, as always, Steve Haller and my co-host Christian Guzman, missing this week, Andrew Pregler. We don't know where he is, he's missing in action. Uh, Somebody, if you find him, we, we have an APB out, we're not quite sure, but if you're walking around Brooklyn and you see Pregler, let him know that we're looking for him. Other than that, we're we're send, we're, send, we're sending out the uh,
1: milk cartons, uh, making sure.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely the next step. So, mm-hmm. other than that, I guess we're here to talk about Syracuse sports for yet another week.
1: Yeah, because even though it's the off season, Syracuse sports still happen. Whether it's just strictly related to Syracuse sports or not is up to your own decision making. But based on what has been happening over the past couple of summers. There is definitely Syracuse sports happening and the big thing that's happened in the summer is the basketball tournament, which you may remember Syracuse won last year. It was so long ago that that's something good in Syracuse athletics <laughs> happened. <laughs> the, so that, the last may-
0: good thing in Syracuse athletics was their alumni.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, or
0: 75% of yeah. their alumni, but yeah, their alumni. <laughs> which, as we'll get to, tracks about to this year's squad too. So It's probably even less now this time. Uh,
1: But we might as well get to it right away Um, because I can guarantee you that's what most of the people here are interested in. The basketball tournament and our good friends, Bayheim's Army, who won the million dollar prize last year, are back once again to take home or at least attempt to take home all the prizes. And of course, this year, um, unlike the bubble systems from last year, the TBT is back to its regional settings. Uh, for the first couple of rounds, one of the most exciting ones that was announced uh, early last month was that one of those regional rounds is going to be at NYC's Rucker Park, which I'm very excited to see on um, on uh, TV. Right. Th- that will make how
0: I don't know, but awesome. It will happen. It will happen,
1: and yeah. it will be fun. Oh, yeah. that's all that uh, we can guarantee that. Uh, but yes, there will be a Syracuse round back at the SRC Arena on the campus of OCC, just like what was it, a couple of years ago now, the last time that they had the regional tournaments before yep. You know the COVID, all, all the COVID stuff. All um so, the COVIDs. Mm-hmm. So the TBT returns to Syracuse, and of course that means Beheim's Army returns to TBT and to our summer. And uh, ESPN's David McNaniman, uh announced the roster on Twitter, a source to us, confirmed that roster to us on Nudes Magician. So we can confidently say this is the roster that is being fielded for this year's TBT, uh, pending maybe one or two more additions. Yeah, first, I think they're
0: allowed t- up to
1: two, right? I believe it's two more, yeah, if I got them correct. So the big returners are for are DJ Kennedy, uh, DeAndre Kane, Andrew White, and CJ Fair. They are all returning from last year's TBT team. Of course, <laughs> the big names there being Kennedy and Kane, the non-Syracuse alumni who played a big role in getting Syracuse too the championship game and the title.
0: So I have one random thing. It really took me back uh, or took me aback when uh, you referred to it as the basketball tournament because mm-hmm. I it, it didn't even click in my head. Like we've referred to it as TBT for so long that it didn't yeah. even click. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that summer tournament that's called TBT. No. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, contrary to popular belief, it's not just throwback teams, it's the basketball tournament. Indeed. Because that's basically what this tournament is, it's throwback teams.
0: Right. Yeah, you have either alumni throwback teams or a mishmash team, a couple of like mishmash mm-hmm. teams, either locality or just, you know, whatever works.
1: And and while this is Bayhimes Army, it's slowly turned more into a mishmash team, as that's what's proven actually wins the million-dollar prize, is the mixtures of talent. Um but it's still a Syracuse team, so you have to have some Syracuse flavoring in it. Uh, you have three new uh, or old uh, Orange alumni returning to or joining this year's TBT: Tyler Ennis and Rakeem Christmas, both previously on Bayhams Army, return back. I don't think t- actually Ennis was, but I know Christmas definitely was on a Bayhams Army 4. But you also have Ennis and then everyone's favorite pizza-loving boy, Marek Dolachai. Mm. and that should, and he should actually be really really fun to watch a t b t because kind of that faster play style i think would actually suit him,
0: yeah, yeah you would think the up tempo especially for someone with his you know um swiss army knife tool set could uh and hustle could uh really kind of uh fit into this squad um you know it it's at christmas you you can't turn down like <laughs> having Rack yeah. back is just Great, um, Ennis and you, is. Ennis and you need and, size. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And Ennis and D bossed are kind of the, the mm-hmm. your your default point. Yeah. So having um, actually having point guards comes in handy compared to some years <laughs> we've tried to run this tournament. So I mean, when we saw last year, we had the two
1: point guards where the two point guards actually turned out to be key members. Yep. And Tyrese Rice winning the tournament MVP in general and Kiefer Sight hitting the game-winning shot, both of them being point guards.
0: <laughs> Comes in handy. Does come
1: in handy. You mentioned one of the new non-Syracuse alumni who's joining, that's the Bost, a uh, former Mississippi State player and has played that's... in the TBT twice before. Um, I, knew, I knew the name. I couldn't remember where it was from. Yes. Uh, he played in TBT twice before, once in 2019 and once in 2021. And So now joins Bayheim's Army. First, third team in three years. The other one is Kyle Wilcher. Uh Syracuse fans might remember him as one of the star players on the 2016 Gonzaga team that Syracuse upset back in the Sweet 16 of that 2016 team. Did, didn't he play at Kentucky, too? He did play in Kentucky. Started his Kyle Koji career at Kentucky and then transferred to Gonzaga. And, and we are
0: that, with... Oh, what's that?
1: It was that famous Gonzaga front court that was supposed to be very good, mm-hmm. uh, Wiltshire and
0: DeMontis Sabonis. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, also, of note with him, all your Canadians are belong to us. All your Canadians do actually belong
1: to us. We are in D Canada's college team, and we accept all Canadians, basically.
0: Yeah, you know. So that's your not?
1: team. Again, the rundown is DJ Kennedy, uh, DeAndre Kane, Kyle Wiltshire, D-Boss, Tyler Ines, King Christmas, CJ Fair, Andrew White, and Maurick Dolish are the usual a duo of Adam Weissman and Sean Belby uh, making the roster. Uh, Jeremy Pope has also been confirmed back as the coach for this upcoming TBT as well. And yeah. it kind of goes to show also that, like, that the Bayhams Army front office in general has realized, based on last year, and that they're not going back to what they did before and just having Syracuse alumni. Because while the nostalgia is cool... If you actually want to win games, you actually have to get players who will win you said games. And not every Syracuse alumni is built to play in this high level of tournament.
0: Right. Or because at as this much point, as we... even in the shape to play in this high level. Yeah. Tournament. Because
1: as much as we love Eric Dievendorf, uh, you, you need you need a
0: couple younger legs on a team. Right. Yeah. I mean, Maddie Gorman playing in the Irish League also was not... Uh... You know again, that was 20 years ago, but uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for a colloquialism, uh, someone playing at that level would not uh, be rising to the, the four of this roster. And also,
1: as Syracuse fans would probably like to harp on playing two three zone exclusively, is not necessarily the best way to go in this tournament or in college basketball, but
0: I digress. But, well, I'm sure we may have that conversation more as this uh, basketball I, I feel season starts. Like, I
1: feel like this conversation will come back again hmm. in the very, very near future. Indeed. But so. that's your TBT uh, tournament team. Um, a couple of you have sounded off in the article as well, but I think uh, most of you are pretty happy with the new additions of the team and as well as some of the retarders. And hopefully Syracuse is... Actually, in good position to win," uh, said TBT. Again, I'm actually going to look up the dates of when Syracuse plays. I
0: think I Syracuse. think the I think the dates for that are like July 19th through 25th. I don't know why I just pulled that out of my head.
1: It is July 22nd to
0: July 25th. Well, it was close.
1: Yes, yeah, close I, enough. <laughs> I've done I've done worse. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of teams already confirmed to play at, uh, at the SRC arena. It will, one of the teams will be the Buffalo alumni teams named blue collar. U. uh, you may recognize some of the Buffalo names, CJ Massenberg, uh, being one of the big ones, um, on that Buffalo team of the recent times. Remember that, that Buffalo Nate Oates led team that, mm. uh, I believe that team beat Syracuse, right? The NATO's Buffalo team,
0: I think so. That sounds right. It does sound right. Well, there um, it is. Who knows? But we're yeah. here for we're here for podcasting, mm-hmm. not fact checking. We'll figure that no. out later in the yeah. week.
1: Mm-hmm. And the and the other team that is confirmed to be at um, TBT is uh, in the Syracuse region is the team formerly known as Armored Athlete now being going by the great dad team name of Friday Beers. Okay, sold.
0: (laughs) If Mayheim's Army can't win it, then uh, that's that's where my allegiances have to lie. (laughs)
1: Uh, Still five more unannounced teams yet to take place in that uh, region, which is the Syracuse region at SRC Arena, again from July 22nd to 25th. Uh, For those really, really interested, the Rucker Park Regional will take place from July 16th to July 20th, which I am also very, very interested in teams yet to be announced at those uh, Rucker Park uh, games. Absolutely. So that's the TBT again. Usual NCAA-style tournament. 64 teams want to take all $1 million, and Syracuse looks to defend its title.
0: Yeah, and I as think the, when is it Wednesday that the seating comes out? So we'll have something. I up believe so, yes. As we'll, yeah. mm-hmm. soon as that drops. So check back to yeah, the so site we'll, Wednesday or Thursday. And we'll definitely and so we'll
1: definitely know the five other teams yep. that Syracuse will play in that Syracuse regional, along with Friday Beers and uh the Buffalo blue collar U uh, school alumni team.
0: So, I just can't believe there's still a t- like I, it's still bogging <laughs> my brain that there's a team named Friday Beers. <laughs> like, whatever. That's <laughs> just for sheer audacity of naming your TBT name your team that. Yeah. I am a hundred percent behind them. Uh, you know, in lieu of a face-off against Bam's Army.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that takes care of, like Andy says, the vegetables. Let's get into what we really want to talk about, because I dubbed this week Big Man Week uh, (laughs) for our Get to Know Your Orange Man series. And boy, was it Big Man Week, uh, because we're kind of into the 70s and 60s. And that's where basically all the offensive linemen
0: numbers are, save for a few in the 50s. And so weirdly. Roster construction-wise, I was amazed by this. 70s and 50s, there are only two numbers in the 60s currently.
1: Bleisch and
0: Bergeron. Yes.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah,
0: usually it's 60, 60s and 70s, like all the time. 60, and then yeah. 50s, you get some D-linemen sprinkled in there. but Yeah, but definitely 60s and 70s are your prime mm-hmm. uh, O-line numbers. I was, I was a 73 and a 77 over the course. You know, you gotta. You, everyone's got their number. You, you, you always have to ride with ride with what you know.
1: Indeed, but again, this was big. The basically started Big Man week. We'll get we'll get a couple more. We might get uh Big Man two, the sequel week uh this next week because we still have a smattering of offensive linemen. Because as Steve knows, you can't have too many offensive linemen on your staff or mm-hmm. roster, I should say. And as Syracuse learned in great detail in 2020, that is very, very much the case. So we we got through a couple. Then we'll get through uh, some of the key ones that we uh, previewed this past week. Of course, the big one that we previewed this past week, uh, the one that was on Friday, was Chris Bleich, uh, who Steve still has the pronouncer written on his whiteboard. It's right up there. He's pointing up there uh, if you're watching along on the stream or on the site. Uh, you can see that Steve is still pointing up, making sure he <laughs> knows how to say Krish, Krish Bleich. Yep. Uh, the uh, the name of the game with pretty much every single orange big man is avoid injury. And while Bleich uh, started games and started a good amount of them, he still missed the latter part of the season uh, with injury. And because I'm not a big man, I will not speak on to this point. But I think Steve, you, of course, as a big man can attest to this point. When Bleich was out of the starting lineup for mm-hmm. those last few games, how much
0: did that affect the offensive line? Um, You would think a lot, but I, and I think I brought this up in the comments on the Bleich article. Um, Bleich is probably one of our most talented linemen, but he is also one of our most replaceable because we found, uh, I and I thought when you mentioned the the, the biggest big man, Uh, You were going to drop the Kalen Ellis. uh, It was literally the biggest pick Right. He was also previewed this year or this week uh, earlier. And when I wrote that preview, I realized he put on a lot of like put on another 15 pounds. So we'll talk about that later. But the fact that he was able to step in for Bleich and, um, you know, admirably as a true freshman uh, outside of some early season jitters, for the most part create a rapport with Bergeron and uh you know work that position pretty well um I think well he is one of our I I think Well, Bleich is one of our best linemen I don't think he is one of our like I'm I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it I think in the, the comments I said something like he's not the linchpin to the season because there is a decent replacement behind him um But yeah, Blaish is extremely talented, and I would much rather see him on the field than not. However, if he goes down, Ellis is capable.
1: Well, that might not be the case this year, because the indications is that Ellis is probably going to start at left guard, right? And then Bleich will start at right guard this year.
0: So what we saw in the last game was Bleich at left guard, uh, uh, or no, Ellis at left guard, Bleich at right guard, and Dakota Davis at right tackle uh that looked decent i uh, it wasn't you know set the world on fire and this was because veterello um was injured um I, it, it's going to be weird and i really have no clue because we had some you know injuries and you know whatever schmidt was doing during the spring game um of exactly what we're going to see going into spring or into fall camp um there are a lot of options and there are a lot of young kids that are talented that may step up on that outside. I'm assuming that they're gonna have to shift Veterello down to center just because the drop-off from Veterello and service down to Joshua Loa, uh was as big as it was last year. Um, unless Aloa put on some pounds in the offseason and uh, you know, put on some technique in the offseason working with Schmidt every day. Um the, the drop off there was going to be bigger than whatever the drop off is at tackle. Um, so I guess we'll see whether Dakota shifts out there, especially if he's coming back for his fifth or sixth year, uh, or whether one of the young kids, be it Enrique Cruz, who we probably will talk about in a bit, uh, is, or, you know, a Darius Tisdale, Anthony Red. Um, there, there's a lot of options. Mark Petrie, um, I can't remember there was another kid that uh, that was actually looking decent last year before he got hurt as well. Um, but uh, maybe Garth Barclay. But either way, uh, there were a couple... There, there's a lot of options at tackle, whereas at center there's not. So we'll see, you know... We got here from a Bleich conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but uh,
1: we started with the inside and quickly worked out we did the
0: outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I. Th- well, I think that's that's the big thing is if if the inside is solidified, that is really the question mark. So I think ultimately we'll see where that lies.
1: And we and we know one side of the offensive depth is going to be good because Vettorella. I, I mean, excuse me, Vettorella. Because Bergeron is going to be on that left side yeah and we know what matthew bergeron can do and basically he's going to stay there um as that left side and he he'll be previewed next week and of course um he'll be on our get to know next week and
0: he'll be actually today if you're watching this on the site because i've got to write Mm -hmm. that up as soon as i'm done with this podcast (laughs) Uh,
1: but that but that left side of bergeron and ellis is pretty much All set in stone. You're probably gonna have, uh, they're probably gonna have Bleichen and most likely Dakota Davis, unless, uh, someone finds a more natural, person at tackle there, which I doubt. I don't think it's coming. So you still have, that side and then Veterello in the center. So you know what you're getting at the, uh, on the at, at least for the starters. And we might as well get to the big guy who, as you said. On a whopping 23 pounds for a guy who probably didn't need to put on 23 pounds in the offseason, but did.
0: It's true. Now, that said, you know, a year of well, you th- this can go either way because he went from what 260 or 365 to 388. Yeah, 388 pounds, folks. He's six foot six, he is a mammoth of a man. Uh, if you don't know, we're talking about Kalen. Waimea, Wa- 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 Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> Kalen Ellis, come on down. Um, he he.
1: He's the next contestant on The Price is Right.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so you you gain that much weight, and there's two ways you can do it. You can either fall in love with the college weight room experience, or fall in love with the college dining hall experience. And I'm hoping it's the former more than the latter. Um, that said, if he was, you know, coming from high school to college, when you have a frame like that, it's not implausible to put on weight like that. Um, you know, I'm sure not all of it is pure. He's, he's not going to be a chiseled 388. Let's put it that way. But, uh, you know, I think, I I think under a good weight program, which who knows what Syracuse is you know, strength and conditioning program has been lately with all the injuries and whatnot. But, um, you know, he could have put a good chunk of muscle on as well as, you know, a little bit of extra padding. But if he can still move like he did at that size compared to at 360, I think we're in for a... I think it's nothing but a good thing.
1: And so what was... What was it the speed or what was it just in general that made Ellis stand out when he started getting those starting minutes on the
0: it, offensive line last year well I don't know if you noticed but he's huge no re- oh really <laughs> <laughs> but no for his Wait, size, but he but moves please, please do tell <laughs> <laughs> he moves quite well for his size um not you know he's not fast but he's quick um decent feet uh hands better than a freshman should be hands could use some improvement, but for a freshman, not bad. Um, and he seemed to form some sort of chemistry with Bergeron and all of those things can add up to making it so that a man that large can do good things.
1: And and we've talked about chemistry and, and, you know, working with the guy that's on your side, mm-hmm. uh, before, but for those for those uh, football fans who don't know uh that part of the game, how important is that uh working with the side of the line that teammate uh how important is that chemistry and basically what goes on during a game uh, that makes sure that chemistry is strong with the communication between the same side tackle and guard
0: it's it's literally everything. And, you know, same thing with your guard down to your center. So your guard's got to be able to work with whoever he's working with. Um, but every every call, every mic call, every identification of any linebackers, blitzes, stunts, twists, anything that they're doing, you have to be in lockstep with the guy next to you knowing exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to react. If you look at, um, you know, Bergeron and Bleich at the beginning of last year, uh, the first game, was actually not phenomenal, but as they got comfortable with each other, it improved um same thing with any any combo The more they work together, the better they're going to look um you know when your guy's going to release, you go on a chip lock with somebody, you know when they're gonna scrape off and when you have to actually seal versus you know uh going in and both of you trying to figure out all right, do I go yet do I there's an innate feel. Um, the more you work with one of the or with any of your your partners on the line, so the the chemistry really is a huge thing. And having as many returning players as we do, um, you know, even even practice reps help. Uh, so even these guys coming back from injury that may not have been able to play, or um, even guys that were working with the twos that got some reps with the ones due to injury that's still more reps with the guys you're going to be playing with than would have happened. So I, I, think our, I think our returners and the sheer volume of people we return is is going to be a benefit for the line.
1: And I think the big thing about this line as well is that they spent a second year under Mike Schmidt, who, yes. as, you've, as you've talked a lot, has really, really changed the system. The big thing is his zonal blocking system, especially when it comes to the run game. Because for some people who may not know, Schmidt is not just the offensive line coach. He's also the run game coordinator. And when you bring in a blocking system like he does, you you better make sure that your running backs also know what the blockers are doing in front of him in order to make sure that they hit the right holes at the right necessary times. So for another lesson of an exploit like I'm five system, what is that zonal blocking system that Schmidt has employed for those starters since we're mainly talking about the first two starting guards that are going to be running that zonal blocking system. What is that system that helped Sean Tucker get uh, a single season rushing record for Syracuse?
0: So it, it's a little, the, the ELI five on it is a little tough. Um, Okay. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it, it just, it shifts the way, the way you're attacking, getting up to the second level, the way you're attacking combos, the way you're attacking, um, Like, down blocks and traps and cuts. Um, But it also frees up... um, It frees up Tucker to make the decision on his own. Which, it's basically, you guys go figure out what you're doing, mark the guys the best you can, and let the really, really good guy behind you do what he's really, really good at. And, you know, rather than... You know, traditional systems that are all right you two are responsible for this man it's you two are responsible for this area and whatever comes in you figure it out and you know a lot of times that'll put tucker one-on-one with a linebacker or one-on-one with a d end instead of uh you know running directly into tackle like it, it puts him in space on people or allows him to allows the lineman to backside seal and let tucker cut if you notice the way tucker runs it's very Ladainian Tomlinson, like one cut and go. Like he'll he'll respond, he'll see the opening, he will hit the opening, and if even if it's the wrong cut, he's still getting three to five yards out of it, um, just because of the decisiveness and just because of his ability to see somebody washing a tackle uh, and just something opening behind him, um, and the the zonal scheme tends to help that, uh, especially uh, he. He really likes that mid-power zone, which throws um, you know, throws a lead blocker into the mix as well. So Rhino, who also worked as an offensive lineman and has worked with all of these guys, knowing how to work with them, cannot be a bad thing for that as well. Um, that, that kind of attacks more the B-gap than uh, your traditional dive or power, and it, it puts Tucker in more of a spot to see the holes along the hole line. Um, it doesn't give him as many options outside, but I think you'll see. I think you'll see more open up. Um, it allows him to bounce things outside, but it doesn't target outside. And I think after a year of tape, we may see more tosses or more uh, ways to get him into space quick this year as well. Especially if we can shore up that outside blocking and like get someone standing out at tackle outside of. Uh, basically knowing if you're going to try and run outside, it's going to be around Bergeron.
1: It's also just refreshing to see a running back not constantly pounded into the A block um, on every first down.
0: Uh, yeah, the old right. George DeLeon run-run-pass-punt, mm-hmm. which also <laughs> seemed to be Sterling Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, Um. But, you, but you're talking about, uh, you know, the
1: the alignment, building repertoire with each other, building some more stuff under uh, Mike Schmidt. And, well, I mean, it's not just a starter we talk about. We talk about everyone uh, and get to know your orange. And, you know, we started to dive in uh, deep into some of the guys who may be eventually stepping up soon into the starting roles once the likes of Bergeron and Belich and, El- well, not Ellis quite yet, but Vettorello as well uh, and Davis leave. Yeah. And so the big, the big one that you brought up um, is the former four-star recruit. Enrique Cruz, who looks to be one of the first people who might get a call-up uh, should something drastically go differently. And from what we've seen, it's not much because it's just...
0: Right, spring game,
1: whatever. Spring game. But he seems like he's got the necessary credentials in order to make a difference once he finally steps on the
0: field. I think so, and he's he's definitely got the athletic pedigree, Um four star athlete in high school four sport athlete in high school also a four star athlete in high school um mm-hmm. but um you know uh shot put and track wrestler uh has a lot i mean usually as as dumb as it sounds uh high school wrestlers especially big men can translate very well to offensive line as long as you can corral their technique yeah who was I,
1: that um there it showed up all the time in the draft that was the I think it was the center from Iowa oh, who was uh, that was wrestling against Makai Becton and that yeah. showed up on the NFL draft tape.
0: God. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he got drafted by the Ravens. Right. Yep. Um you work on that because I can see you're already working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, I mean it's Tyler Lindenbaum. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like it was the tip of the tongue, but it wasn't there. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, everything on film I've seen from the Chicago native is solid. It's um decent technique. Uh it, it's limited to what you see from high school tape. Um and the like you said, the couple of drives we saw with the <laughs> the spring game. So uh as good an eye as you can get on any of that, especially uh trying to figure out who's in and who's doing what. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's got a, a, solid potential to move into the lineup or move into the mix. Should I say not necessarily crack the lineup at this point. Um, but you've got like him, you've got Mark Petri who missed all year. The, the German native missed all year last year with an injury. Uh, but prior to that was kind of sniffing around on the two deep, which was a surprise. And usually when there's a surprise sniffing around on the two deep, that means good things are happening. Um, similar to how Kalen Ellis showed up there last year. And everybody was like, why? Why, why is a true freshman? <laughs> like, yeah. who is injured that put a true freshman into that spot? Lo and behold, he was just damn good. Um, you've got uh, Jacob Bradford as well, who's the uh, transfer from some community college that I can't remember. It's a directional somewhere Iowa Iowa Central. There you go. Cup. Iowa. This is apparently an Iowa podcast today. It, it um, is. But uh, you know, Bradford's got the utilization or the ability to uh, play inside or outside, so we'll see where he slots. Like, there's a lot of a lot of names that are kind of on the cusp of that too deep. Um, I know Austin Kawhi, the other or, uh, the other Hawaiian, is a, a solid look as well. Um, I don't know where he's working into the mix. I think he's probably a tier below those guys, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, and then going into next week. Anthony Red, we heard a lot about over the years. Josh Aloa is probably our backup center, um, just because he seems to be the only other center on the roster as well. Um, Darius Tisdale is still on the squad. He's you know guard or tackle. (laughs) We at this point we know what we're getting. Like yeah, you're you're right. He's (laughs) Darius Tisdale. Like we know we know what we're getting. He has looked he has looked better at guard than tackle the couple of times he's played there. So. I don't know what to take from that. That Um, being said, he's averaging two holding penalties a game. (laughs) Right. Not great. Uh, Also, for for note, um, Kalen Ellis is 388. Take a wild stab at the next heaviest player on the roster. Is it or Bergeron? Uh, Bleiche is number three. Bergeron is number four. Dakota Davis at 336. No, oh, Dakota Davis has jumped up. Yep. Bleich at 335, Bergeron at 327, and then Enrique Cruz at 303, and Aloha at 302. Those are the only 300-pounders on the roster. Mm. Um, you know, Alice kind of makes up for a couple of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, the the averages are definitively screwed by Callen Alice. However, um, yeah. that, that I, That's the one where you have to use the median average instead of the mean average. Jesus, Rhino is 293? What? That's a fullback. Do you want two hundred and ninety-three pounds of fullback running at you? I can tell you that a
1: linebacker doesn't want two hundred ninety-three pounds of fullback running at him.
0: Right. Two hundred and ninety-three pounds of fullback that also know how to block. Uh yeah, not not ideal for them. So Now imagine now imagine that guy lining up in the tight end spot and then running a drag route across. <laughs> Do you is will it be possible for a safety to take him down? <laughs> If he drags off into that slot corner, is that slot corner just gonna hang on as he's running? <laughs> I can oh, I could picture it now. Just he's like holding on to Rhino's shoulder yeah. pads like, come on. <laughs> so just uh, work with me, just drop, please. Yep. Take me <laughs> somebody, please. So well dropping dropping would probably bring us about to halftime.
1: It would bring us to halftime and that's what we're gonna do right now is take a quick halftime break and talk about our great sponsor, home field apparel, You're a one stop shop for all your throwback. Uh college collegiate needs, of course, for Syracuse. Nothing is better than a Vita the goat or a classic nineteen nineties S logo. This week it was TCU. I was gonna say
0: this week they may have one upped it with that Fear the Frog shirt because that just I I hate I hate when they make us Want to buy yeah. other team shirts? Mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm very partial to the uh, Froghorn Train shirt. That is a very, very good one.
0: Oh my God, that's I somehow did not see that. Mm-hmm. That is just glorious. That is a very, very good one, and I have
1: all your other favorite schools as well, and your local schools as well. A couple from Buffalo and Colgate as well. Um, so if you are interested in buying something from Homefield Apparel for your throwback. Syracuse or collegiate school of your choice apparel. Just put it in the shop, and then you can use the code Noons N U N E
0: S for ten percent off yeah. your shop. Colorado School of Mines too. Don't sleep on them.
1: In, not
0: at all. <laughs> Don't feel I just, apparel. I just wanted to somehow get a Colorado School of Mines drop on the pod <laughs> because why not?
1: There are some interesting schools that you wouldn't expect to be on this list and all of a sudden you look at their apparel and it's like, oh, I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. North mm-hmm. Dakota State. I still stand by the fact that those are my favorite shirts that they put out. Those
1: are very, very good. So,
0: so yeah, either way, uh, grab your St. Peter's Jaggers and uh, head on back I think, to... I
1: think those are sold out, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think all Jaggers of all sorts are always perpetually sold out outside yeah. of the hour they go on sale. Mm-hmm if that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So other things that are not sold out. No, Sy- Syracuse News is pretty well sold out at this point. However, yeah. um we do have uh, a couple of things that are in the soccer realm, not on the men's side this time.
1: Yeah. So the, fir- the first one is on the women's side. Uh, we have two players who are uh, on the – on their respective country rosters for the international window here in June, as they look to get set for the 2023 World Cup qualifiers. Uh, first up, for the Irish is Courtney Brosnan, uh, the peripheral goalkeeper keeper from 2014 to 18, mm-hmm. who's pretty much been a mainstay on the Irish roster ever since yeah. she got her senior call-up.
0: Yeah, where was is she playing with West Ham? I believe maybe? yeah,
1: I believe she was West Ham, and I believe she's still West Ham's number one. Which but is
0: not pretty bad. Good. As the kids
1: say, that'll play. Um, Absolutely. the, the other oh, nope, one nope. is
0: she is now a toffee. Oh as of this year.
1: Oh, okay. Very nice. So um the other one is Lizzie Amperu, uh, the most recent uh goalkeeper for Syracuse. Uh, she was a grad, uh transfer this year uh, playing one year with the orange and she's got to call it up to the Canadian team. Um, again, all of your Canadians do belong
0: to us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it seems like, um, you know, no matter what, we're hopefully going to have a keeper representing the, uh, the orange in the women's yeah. cup. So hopefully we'll
1: either one of Canada or Ireland make it, to the uh, Canada will probably make a Canada usually as a good team. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, well, Lizzie and Peru. Just uh, put
0: Christine Sinclair on the pitch and you'll be fine. It yeah. doesn't matter. She's like Ru- 40 years old now. Exactly. Uh, so
1: hopefully, Lizzie and Peru sticks with the Canadian team. We're good to see her get a call up to that national roster. Uh, before we continue with soccer talk here, I do want to share something that we did get a chance uh, for us here at New Tradition. Uh We got a chance to have one of the um, – a Syracuse recruit who attended uh, one of the Syracuse elite camps to come uh, talk to us about his experiences at the uh, at the Syracuse elite camps. You know, most colleges will run all sorts of camps uh, throughout the summer um, so that they can get a look at a couple of recruits and see who they might be interested in pursuing later on um, during the school year. And we did get one of those that year, Daniel. Uh, who will uh be at Calvert Hill in Maryland this fall for his first year at Calvert Hill? That does happen to be Sean Tucker's high school. Uh, we got a chance to send him a couple of questions um about the uh, about his experience at this camp. Um, and so if you're wondering, like how you know how do these guys get their name in front of the Syracuse staff? Oh, well, this is one way. Um, so he talked to our our tip Kevin wall of what the facilities were like what the coaching staff were uh, talking about uh, the kind of the factors that he's looking at in the school and how he felt he performed in the camp And uh, it's also good to hear that the coaches are trying to use Sean Tucker to their advantage as well.
0: Yes, use Sean Tucker as much as you can to his advantage because he's gone after this year I don't care who you are. He is gone. He is gone. He is just gone. like Matthew Bergeron. Take advantage he of both of gone. them. They will not be here.
1: They—they mm-hmm. are both very much gone after this year. Uh, As is a lot of people. Uh, that will be a subject that will be interesting to get into later on, either later on this summer or early before the uh, the scene or uh, early before the season starts. There's a lot of people who are going to be gone after this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird roster construction at this point. So mm-hmm. hopefully some of the young guns can get some run like we were talking.
1: Some young guns that will get some run are on the U.S. men's national soccer team. Yay, transition. And they'll be playing um, in the 2022 World Cup in November, as much as Andy hates it. And most of us agree that's not a great time to hold a World Cup,
0: but... Uh, no, especially not in Qatar with all of the stupidity of Qatar. Um, yeah. But that's mm-hmm. that's a digression for a different podcast.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not so much for a
0: strictly sports podcast. It may right. be in the
1: future, but not right now. And if you don't uh, know what I'm
0: talking about, go Google human rights violations in Qatar, especially mm-hmm. during you know construction of World Cup stadiums, etc. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, but either way, um, also
1: also Google uh, FIFA bribery.
0: Uh, yeah. Guitar. If anyone mm-hmm. listening to this thought the NCAA was bad, go look up FIFA. The NCAA is a saint.
1: <laughs> FIFA basically said, "Hold my Budweiser." Yes, because they're going to make you hold their Budweiser.
0: <laughs> and in Qatar, they're not even going to be able to drink the Budweiser.
1: That is very true.
0: <laughs> what are they going to? Budweiser is going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be some way to work around it, but um uh, no. Knowing FIFA, they're going
1: to they're finding a way to get Budweiser in Qatar.
0: Oh yeah, now. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, as mentioned a couple times on the pod, we do have um, a couple of orange, likely going to Qatar. Unfortunately, one that is not uh, with Miles Robinson's injury. Um, Buchanan and Tejan Buchanan and Kamal Miller will be heading with Canada over to the World Cup, Uh, but after that, they will get to stay home for a World Cup because in 2026, the U.S. is hosting with. Mexico and Canada. Um, And as of this week, all of the venues have been announced. Two
1: in Canada, three in Mexico, and a total of 10 in the United States. The closest ones to Syracuse are in Boston at Gillette Stadium at Uh, New Jersey uh, for MetLife Stadium, and at Philly at Lincoln Financial Field. And if you're wondering, wow, those are football stadiums. They're not the soccer stadiums that they are in those cities. Why didn't they just hold it at the soccer stadiums? Well, for a World Cup game, uh, the minimum requirement is 40,000 seats. And most soccer stadiums in the United States do not have 40,000 seats.
0: And that's also why most years in the World Cup, you see people uh, or countries having to build crazy amounts of stadiums. It comes in handy that the uh, you know the infrastructure in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada allows for the playing of a lot of those games in stadiums that are forty thousand plus. Uh, also of note, Toronto is uh, hosting group stage games at BMO Field, uh, which is also nice and close to yes.
1: us. So. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, BMO Field is an MLS stadium that only has a capacity of 30,000, but they are expanding that to 45,000 for the World Cup.
0: Yeah. I, you know, Toronto was always pretty, uh, Mm -hmm. there's always a pretty good turnout there and having the extra seats definitely can't hurt them. Then that's part. People are
1: wondering why did Kansas City get a World Cup bid and not Denver? It's because Kansas City turns out for
0: soccer. Yeah. Casey will right. Casey will show up um that I mean, sad we hope- didn't get didn't get
1: a uh, Cincinnati for the Ohio fan base because Ohio fans in uh
0: turnout for soccer you know, oh since he's still in it in the final since i
1: believe since he was one of the final being considered nice. but they but they no but they are not be one of the ten that have been chosen uh from the u s the ten that were chosen in the u s were metlife ATT, and t arrowhead in Kansas City. NRG in Houston, Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz, uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, uh, Lincoln Financial in Philly, Lumen Field in Seattle, Levi Stadium in San Francisco, Gillette and Boston, and Miami Hard Rock. So no Rose Bowl either.
0: Right, which hosted the '94 final. Yes. So, um,
1: so we, I was talking with a couple of my friends on this. That probably leaves the door open for two. I don't think it's actually been like set in stone which is going to be the final, uh, the final final. I've heard some rumors that it's actually that the final final was already MetLife. Um,
0: I would assume either MetLife or SoFi.
1: Yeah, because well, because I think it's going to be SoFi because reportedly SoFi can expand up to 100,000 people.
0: Mm, That'll do it. Yeah. There you go. There's your winner.
1: Yeah. So I would assume the final would be at SoFi, but there was uh, one of my friends told me that I think it was already predetermined that the final would be at MetLife, which which wouldn't be a bad decision either, because that's the number one media market in the world, so...
0: I didn't know uh, Jerryville could expand to 105,000, too. That, too, yeah. So, but I doubt they're going to hold the final in Dallas. No. Um, The, uh, of note, Seattle, among others, are all turf stadiums that will have to be retrofitted to grass for this, so uh i have not heard whether or not uh like lumenfield is planning on um you know putting down permanent grass or if they're doing the stupidity that they did for 94 of laying down turf in the uh middle of the um what was the old uh detroit dome wordfield no 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 yeah um i keep wanting to say the metrodome but that was in uh, minneapolis um but yeah, the it was the old carpet turf that they laid uh, sod over, and mm-hmm. it was like coming up in places and that. Like I would assume that all these stadiums will shift to shift to grass at least a season ahead of time, um, just to make sure it's grown in.
1: Oh, uh, Pontiac, Dome, Pontiac Dome.
0: Yeah, the Silver Dome. There we go. So uh, yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting, and we're getting a lot of a lot of uh, Northeast love here, so. Uh, The question will be where the U.S. and Canada are going to be playing. Um, Seeing Canada is Canada, I'd assume they're at least going to play a game in Canada. So we have a 50-50 shot.
1: What makes you you say that?
0: (laughs) Well, just shooting in the dark on that one. Um, (laughs) But you can flip a coin between Toronto and Vancouver because I don't know if they play two games in Canada.
1: No, I would actually expect that they would at least play both games. At least two of their games in Canada.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be rough just for logistics. The Toronto to Vancouver, well, yeah, one side of the world and the other, yeah, that
1: is um, true. Because I want but to you say, could, but, you, but you could make that a, like a section with like, um, with Vancouver, Toronto, and then actually Seattle because Vancouver and Seattle are pretty close to each other.
0: Right. And then Boston, New York, Philly. Mm-hmm. I I'm wondering because there's a lot of there's a couple that are like what the hell? Like Kansas City is just in the middle of whatever <laughs> um kansas city dallas houston atlanta miami is just kind of on an island and then the two yeah that'll
1: probably be like atlanta miami and then probably monterey or that'd probably atlanta miami to mexico city probably and then you huh, probably yeah. have i don't know you probably have like water or along with los angeles and san to the monterey with like dallas and houston and then kansas city just kind of cries um
0: right well, actually, yeah, because Monterey—that's Rodo Stadium—that's fifty-three thousand. Because the other thing of note is, as dumb as it sounds, they will schedule these games and locations based on draw too. So, uh, so like Guadalajara, so, like the yeah, you're not going to see the forty-nine thousand seat stadium that's hosting, uh, or like BMO Field, you're not going to see you know Brazil play there, or likely are not. <laughs> Um, like if yeah, somebody...
1: that's that's a that's a Poland Senegal matchup.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. <laughs> no offense all, to the all, Polish and Senegalese all the, fans. <laughs> right, all the Poles and Senegalese that are going to end up in Guadalajara. So we'll see. Um, we'll see yeah, how that all works as, out.
1: Yeah, and as good as Kansas City is, that's probably destined for something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is what is Casey is can find it 76k hmm. yeah it's it aer- hey, boy it's also oh, yeah. It's you know it's so coming. yeah i'm thinking of uh skc stadium i was like that's yeah. that's pretty small and then realized no they'll just they'll just
1: filter everyone into like the street that they always have full yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yep um yeah the clinks 72,000 lumen field sorry um yeah. the yeah all of the all the us sites are at least 67 Sixty yep. Hard Rock Stadium in Miami is sixty-seven, and that is the smallest of the US sites. So uh, yeah,
1: hard to hard to hard to wrap around the fact that Hard Rock is a, considered a small stadium.
0: Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh yeah. I I, I mean I can't wait. Uh my son yeah. will be nine and ten during that. Or like going on ten. Yeah,
1: I already I already spoke to a friend who says that he and his dad are already uh starting a savings uh like account yeah oh yeah you can you know attend some of these games
0: i've already been funneling uh funneling some money off to to make sure that so that's where your noons bucks are going exactly Mm. actually that's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) Uh, kevin uh we can we can get spot you know what uh press passes to cover Tejan and kamal right Mm, mm, mm,
1: Yes, yes. Yes, I'm sure
0: they will recognize Trey Trey News as an absolute magician.
1: Trey is an absolute magician. Is the one-stop go-to
0: stop for your Canadian soccer news. I mean, as dumb as it sounds, we might be able to piggyback the SB Nation thing. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Uh, Press passes to Toronto, please.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, right i'm down i'm down so nudes, while we figure po- that out.
0: nudes podcast on site 2026
1: <laughs> so while we figure out those logistics for, uh, with kevin for the next four years that'll do it for this week's edition of the joint news is an absolute podcast as usual if you enjoyed listening uh, on your podcast platform of choice give us a like rate five stars leave a comment as well so we can track the algorithm for following the Ottoman empire as well, if you're watching this on the site as well, thank you also for watching leave a comment as well. Talk about give us some suggestions about what we could talk about during the off season before we go into full on football preview mode around the beginning of August and as well you know stick around on our site, stick around on our Twitter geek on comment and we'll love interacting with you guys as well. Thanks all so much for watching Steve. got anything else?
0: No, I think uh, I think that about
1: nails it. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another off-season edition of Detroit News. Is an absolute podcast, and as always, go Orange.
0: Go Orange.